Good morning, everyone. I'm very excited for this morning. It's going to be a great morning. And uh, before I jump into the uh, announcements and things like that, uh, there were no bulletins back there when I went out to get mine after uh, Bible class. So if somebody's got a bulletin they could spare, if there's any incriminating evidence about a birthday this month, that would be fantastic. Good. No, no one this week. Okay, all right. I do want to make an announcement, though, in regards to the morning's um, assembly. Uh, the first part of the assembly is going to be a teaching part of the assembly. And uh, in light of uh, those men who are being uh, ordained, there's a real danger in this community, uh, particularly this community, but in our nation now, uh, where those men are targeted. And so I am going to actually turn the video uh, Facebook Live off. And then Sharon is actually going to videotape it uh, so that those who are not able to make it today, who are interested in seeing uh, the ordination of these men, uh, will be able to do so. And so there will be a little tiny transition between the lesson and then actually the ordination uh, commissioning men to leadership. So with that, let's get on with the, the morning. All righty, I got a whole bunch of these this morning. So... Could I get your kind help here? Emma, you're awesome. Heidi, I so appreciate your being my female assistant in class. Your, 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 your eyes, your ears, your heart in the class and sharing your valuable insight as a young woman in Christ are awesome. Where are you? Okay, she's waiting. <laughs> I couldn't find you. You're not in your normal places. Okay, Jeff. I'm indeed thankful for your spirit of wisdom, discernment, and encouragement. I appreciate your leadership over the many years. Love you, brother. There you go. That's for Mr. Jeffy. There you are. Thank you. Okay. So, hey, Rick. I'm really thankful you're helping me in the young men and young women's class. Every member of a team is a vital part of making it work, and I'm glad you're a part of my team. So there you go. Awesome. Kurt. I sure do appreciate you are a pillar in the Pleasant Hill Church. You are a man of impeccable integrity, love, and faithfulness. Love you, brother. There you go. Can I get an amen on that one? Man, if you know Kirk, you know that's it, too. Melissa Parks, isn't that? And this was I want my plan. I just shoved him in. Mrs. Parks, Mr. Parks' lovely bride. Thanks for making Ladies Weekend happen. And also, thank you for the encouraging lessons. Awesome. There you go. Angie. <laughs> Why are you giggling? I haven't read it yet. Oh, there you go. There's something there I should know. So, Angie, how was your first experience anyway? Awesome. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> I heard some things. That's cool. All right. What ladies do at the Oregon weekend stays at the Oregon coast. No, she's a vicious spoons player. A vicious spoons player? Okay, is that on here somewhere? Let's see. Angie, I am so thankful you joined the ladies weekend. It was so wonderful to walk and talk with you. Thank you so much for time together. I so appreciate your positive and encouraging heart. This person obviously didn't play spoons with you. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Desi, there you are. You are such a sweet encourager. Always look forward to your smiles and your sass. 
Wow, okay, there you go. Smiles and sass. I didn't write that one. Melissa, I'm so grateful for this weekend's getaway for the ladies. So thankful you organized it. It was a great time to encourage and build. Thank you for the lesson. It was a it was a much needed message. I so appreciate you. That one's a great one too. All right. Uh, I've thought about trying to be a fly on the wall at the Ladies Coast weekend, but I decided probably not a good idea. <laughs> uh, morning, Brian. Uh, I have I have seen you grow from a solid man in heart into a solid man of character, the character of Christ. Preach it, live it, love it in the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. There you go for Brian Bragg. All right, let's give it up for Brian too. All right, well, let's grab our Bibles. Let's grab our Bibles. Oh, there's a Memorial Day, Memorial Day barbecue at the Kirkpatrick's place. I'm, I'm just shooting from the hip on this one. It's next Sunday, 4.30, 4, 4 Castan 4, so 4.30. And you want you want an RSVP. So tell me about that. Someone's asking, is it potluck? Are you cook, cooking the burgers and the dogs or whatever, and then they bring side dishes, or how does that work? Exactly. All right, you're cooking the meat, and everybody brings the side dishes, like a potluck style. Enough for more than just you. Okay, good. Excellent. All right. And should somebody bring drinks as well? You'll, you'll have drinks? Okay, there you go. Cool. cool. All right, next Sunday, 4.30. Let's all head on over to the Kirkpatrick's place. But please tell them you're coming before you go, so they'll have a piece of meat ready for you. Okay, there you go. Awesome. Any others before I start? Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 27. As we start the lesson, part two, family leadership for, for perseverance. Uh, Numbers chapter 27 is where we're going to begin this morning. And uh, on your lesson sheet, you'll see the two scriptures there we'll start out with. Uh, we're just going to briefly talk about point number one from last week, and we will finish up with point number two from this week. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation, who will go out and come in before them, and who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like uh, sheep which have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom uh, is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, and have him stand before Eleazar, the priest, before all the congregation, and commission him in their sight. You shall put some of your authority on him, in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. Moreover, you shall stand before Eleazar, the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, they shall go out, and at his command, they shall come in, both he and the sons of Israel with him, even all the congregation. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him, and took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses." And also turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians in chapter 4. And beginning in verse 11. Ephesians in chapter 4. Beginning 
in verse 11. I would encourage you to read the whole context as we did last week, but in chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he, contextually, Jesus, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, we are deeply thankful for the Lordship of your son, Jesus Christ. For he is the only true sovereign. There is no other. And Father, you have made him ruler over heaven and earth. Nothing that is visible or invisible uh, is not within his rulership. And we're so deeply thankful, Father, that we understand that. And as we bow the knee this morning, uh, we pray that you would help us to recognize and understand that truth. All authority in heaven and on earth was given to our King, Jesus. And he's called us to go. Each one of us, as we know, has been granted a special giftedness to serve the body and not self. And we pray, dear Heavenly Father, as we listen this morning about how uh, in the scriptures, uh, both Old and New Testament, men were set apart, uh, commissioned as it were, uh, to serve you in particular ministries. We pray to your Heavenly Father that we'd recognize we want to do the same. And so, Lord, bless the time of our looking into the scriptures. And then, Father, we pray you'll be here and bless the time as we set these good men aside to serve you in specific ministries in the body of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, the first point last week, as you'll know, and you can just look at the first point in your lesson plan, was the purpose of leadership for to persevere. This year, we are talking about, preaching about, how to persevere in difficult times. And we need to recognize and understand that we need a family, a community. I was talking to a couple business people recently, and even though they're not in Christ, they say, you know, the things that are shaking out right now in the Eugene Springfield area, we really have a great need for a mindset of community. And I said, that's exactly right. We need to recognize and understand the importance of local, local, local governance, not federal governance. And our founding fathers established it that way. And they did so based upon the word of God. You see, they were concerned about the federal government and they wanted the vast majority of governance to be pushed down to the lowest level, to the states and to the municipalities, so that the freedoms of the individuals and the talents and skills and abilities of the individuals would be unlocked and unleashed so that the greatness that God had planted in the hearts of man could come to fruition. And because they were men who believed that the Bible was the word of God, we established a great nation by which the church has flourished. But now we see changes, don't we? Because people have gone away from that biblical standard. A leadership at every level is disrespected. There is a self-governance that God has called us to. If you've been listening to Wednesday night, God in government, you know that there are several levels of delegated authority. The first level of delegated authority 
is the authority of the individual to govern themselves according to the standard of God's word. If a person is in rebellion to God in their personal life, they're going to have a hard time in being a great leader in the context of their family. Why? It's because they've rejected God's word and God's standards in being a great husband or a great wife or a child who is to grow up and understand the biblical principles of adulthood. And then if we move on from there, we've, we've learned to govern ourselves, then God would grant us, if we would desire to do it God's way, grants us a family. And there we have a choice, as a man or a woman, to govern according to the standard of God's word. That's the second level of governance. You see, we need to quell the rebellion in our heart and bring it in subjection to God. But notice, husbands need to humble themselves before King Jesus, the true and one and only perfect husband, that they might follow in his footsteps and sacrifice everything for their family in love. As the woman, as the example of the church, is to come under her husband and work together with her husband to subdue the hearts of the children that they might follow after God. And then we have church governance. Church governance. And in church governance, there are elders and there are deacons, specified ministers, as it were, for particular works of service and teachers. It's important for us to recognize and understand that those men, if they have grown in the faith, are manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, and have put on the character of Christ, as it says in the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, then they are governing in their families with love, with joy, with patience, with kindness, with humility, and then they can lead God's people. You know, the scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, you know what, if you know all things and of all wisdom and are a silver-tongued person in preaching, but you don't have love, you're nothing. We need to recognize and understand that faith working through love is the new creation standard. You go back, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away, new things have come. Galatians 6 says that the new creation standard is going to bring peace and mercy in every relationship. We need to recognize and understand in that same book of Galatians in chapter 5, the standard of a man after Christ's own heart is a man who will walk by faith and manifest that faith in the love of others. He may not have every Bible verse memorized, but the ones he studied, he's applied to his relationships. And that man is able to be patient with those who do not yet have it figured out. He is forbearing. He is humble. He's willing to receive instruction. You see, all those are so important for that man of God who would lead in the context of the church. But you know, Moses was the most humble man, it says in the scriptures, and yet the congregation reviled him over and over and over again, and God dealt with those people. God dealt with those people. They swallowed him up, laid him low in the wilderness. Only two faithful, Joshua and Caleb. And those who were younger than 20, well, they were not held accountable for the sins of their parents. Brother, we need to recognize and understand 
that people have rejected the word of God as the governance for their life? They've rejected the word of God for the governance in their family? Sadly, I think it's been rejected in the church. And we can see what's happening in the civil government, can't we? Are they governing by biblical principle? Or are they governing by the wills and the whims of man? Brethren, you see that one is chaos and one is contentment. One is terror and one is tranquility. That's why it says we're supposed to pray for our leaders. As we looked at these, we looked at leadership in the context of the church. But God's authority is delegated to many people in many stations of life. And we need to recognize that. But it's delegated authority. Just as Moses laid hands on Joshua and it said that there was some of his authority was delegated to him. Where did Moses get his authority? By God. All authority is delegated by God. Now you and I can choose to come in subjection to that delegated authority according to God's word, or we can reject it. And when we reject that, our families fall apart. When we reject that, our marriages fall apart. When we reject that, our churches fall apart. When we reject that, our nation falls apart. And if you reject it individually, you'll have problem and suffering and struggle, as many of us did before we were Christians, because we did not recognize the authority God gave to us as individuals to govern ourselves according to his word. That was point number one. Now point number two. Would you turn in your lesson plans, the next page to point number two? We've talked about already the delegation of authority that was given to Joshua, but I want to go back there once again. Numbers chapter 27. There is a delegation of authority there. And notice it's, it's God's authority because it was given to Moses first. And it says here in this passage of scripture, and I want to take a look at verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit. A man who, how does he know the spirits within him? Back then, when a person is immersed into Christ by faith, we know the spirit indwells them. But how do you know that they're a spiritual man? They're walking in the footsteps of Christ. They're living by the faith of Christ. This man had a life manifest of integrity. And so God tells Moses here to lay his hands on this man, on Joshua, and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and commission them in their sight. And as we read on a little bit further down, it says in verse 22, Moses did just as the Lord commanded him and took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands on him and commissioned him just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Now, some of the authority, it says, was placed on Joshua. And if you study Joshua, Joshua was a great man, a great servant. And so he did the Lord's bidding in cleaning out the promised land to the degree that God had called him to. Now, I want to take a look now at Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We see a commissioning in the New Testament here. A commissioning of Saul, who would become Paul, and uh, Barnabas as well. And so in Acts in chapter 13, we see the leadership of the church there 
serving the Lord in the context of the body of Christ at, at Antioch. Beginning in verse 1. Now there was, a, there, there was at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and uh, Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Mannion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Well, while they were ministering, ministering to the Lord. By the way, you know what ministering to the Lord is? When you minister to someone else, because God has called you to minister to someone else, you're ministering to the Lord. Remember what Jesus said? When you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. You want to minister unto the Lord? Then seek to minister to others around you. The men who are being commissioned today have consistently ministered to individuals and families and this congregation over a period of nearly 20 years, consistently. And they've been the ones first on scene and the ones last to leave consistently, especially when it comes to the challenges and difficulties that oftentimes face the family of God because Satan hates the family of God. They're present, and I appreciate that. As we take a look at this, reading on there in verse 2, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And thus the first missionary journey by Saul, who would become Paul and Barnabas, began. And when you read about when they came back, the great rejoicing there was in the church because those men had seriously took that commissioning serious. And they went out and they worked as they had already been working in the context of the body of Christ there in Acts 13. And so it's important for us to recognize that those men that I'm calling for today have been laboring, laboring. It says in the scriptures about ministers or deacons that they need to be tested. And if they've been found faithful, then you set them aside. Well, there's been plenty of time for testing. And they have been found faithful again and again and again. And you know that. I was waiting for phone calls this last week. It says not to take an accusation against an elder or a leader unless it's upon two or three witnesses. I think for those of you who are here who've been here for quite a long time, have witnessed these men over and over and over again doing what? Laying their lives down in sacrifice. Just like someone else laid his life down in sacrifice for you. So it's important for us to recognize they laid hands on them as they commissioned them. They prayed over them for the Lord's blessing of delegated authority and they fasted. Remember last week in closing, I asked you to fast for these three men. I hope you did that. And if not, you can start right now. Say, well, I got, I got a roast in the oven. I can't start now. You can start because remember what Jesus did when he came up out of the waters of the Jordan and he heard his father say, well done. Or listen, or this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. What did he do? He fasted 
he went into the wilderness. And what happened after he was baptized? He started his earthly ministry. Three years of serving the Lord. What happened when he first was proclaimed as the Son of God? And he began his earthly ministry. Satan cut loose. So here's my question. What do you think Satan's going to do? So we need to be praying for these men now, fasting for these men now and consistently as God would give them a part of his authority to serve. So let's take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. And keep your fingers there in uh, Acts 13 as well. So in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 14. A statement about, about Timothy here. Paul, talking with Timothy, says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery or the eldership. Now, we don't have eldership here. But neither did the church at Antioch. Notice that the church of Antioch, they had prophets and teachers. And so that was the leadership group in the church at that time. And God spoke to that group of men and said, you set these men apart for the work of service. Here we see the eldership. We don't know what church it was. Lystra, maybe Iconium, we're not sure which church it was, that laid hands, the eldership laid hands on Timothy. Because a prophet, a New Testament prophet, revealed by the Spirit of God said Timothy is to be set apart. Now how do we do that today when the New Testament is completed and we don't need New Testament prophets to write more scripture? The scripture is complete. The scripture is perfect. Everything that we need for life and godliness is found in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ and his word. So we find that in the scripture. And so examining these men over the course of years, watching them as they have grown and stepped into living the life of sacrifice, these men, as we will see in the book of Acts and chapter 20, really are men that the Holy Spirit has set apart we're going to go back to Acts 13 in a moment, but Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. There's a particular passage there that's very important. Paul the Apostle speaking to the eldership at the, uh, in the city of Ephesus makes this statement to them before he leaves. He's very concerned because he knows that wolves are going to come in among them and destroy them. And so it's important for you to recognize and understand that Paul was deeply concerned, and notice what he says. Verse 20. Acts chapter, excuse me, Acts chapter 20 and verse, that was the wrong verse. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Be on guard, and he's saying this to the elders there. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers governors, as it were, to shepherd or feed the church of God, which he purchased 
with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after him. What does he say to the, the elders there? He says, look, be on guard for yourself and also for the flock. He says that the Holy Spirit has raised you up into this position of leadership. How does a man grow into a leader worthy of service in the church of Jesus Christ? There are men who are choosing to allow themselves to come under the authority of the Lordship of Jesus Christ through his word. And not only will they read the scriptures daily, not only will they memorize, and not only will they pray, but more importantly, they'll apply. So don't quote a scripture at me, preacher. Show me that you love me. And then I'll trust you enough that I'll allow you to counsel me because I've seen you live the life. That's how it ought to be. And that's truly the standard. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Now, let's take a look at 1 Timothy in chapter 5. 1 Timothy in chapter 5, if you'll go there and turn to verse 17. We'll finish here this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Paul says to Timothy, The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox, while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin, and this is Paul talking to Timothy, that evangelist, he says, those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. And he goes on in verse 22, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. Timothy had the responsibility to lay hands on people to commission them to eldership. The evangelist is, by God's definition in the book of Ephesians, one of the leaders that can lay hands on people to ordain them to works of service. So we see in Acts 13, verses 1 through 3, teachers and New Testament apostles were the leaders in that congregation. And they laid hands on Paul or Saul and Barnabas. And so he calls Timothy, who had been ordained as an evangelist, to ordain men to leadership, particularly eldership. And so we need to recognize and understand that through prayer, the laying on of hands, and fasting, we're to set leaders aside in the context of the church to serve the church. I am just a tool. God is the one who empowers. God is the one who has already been working in these men's heart to set them aside for this work. 
It's evidenced by their love for individuals. It's evidenced by their love for the congregation. It's evidenced by the sacrifice of their life. And these men know the word, but more importantly, we've experienced the love of Christ from them and through them. Would you agree with that, gentlemen? That through these men, you've experienced the love of Christ. Can I get an amen out of you guys? Julie, can I get an amen out of you? Would anybody else like to say amen that they've experienced the love of God through these people? I'll say amen. 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 Brethren, it's time that we raise up three good men to stand with me until the Lord retires me. And I'm not retiring as men would retire. When I retire, it's paradise forever. And so we need good men to continue to stand in the gap, to lead the congregation forward. And as you well know, I was motivated by a truck rolling over several times, and I realized that we need to have men that have served faithfully and now will be commissioned to serve by the power of God faithfully. And I know that there's others who will be raised up as well. So I appreciate you listening. I hope you'll go back and study these things. And so now I'm going to turn off the the video here. And we're going to start a video for those who have not been able to be here. And so uh, for John and Pat and Carrie, there'll be a video ready for you to watch. So thank you for joining us. Let's transition right now. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.